0: Restaurants starving for revenue. Another four or five weeks of being closed in-store dining is going to really hurt them. What they're doing to survive extended health orders.
1: Going against the flow.
0: They did not receive approval from Interior Health uh, to operate as they are.
1: The BC gym defying public health orders and taking their fight even further.
0: And five years of chaos during the opioid crisis. Everyone we know has died. That's what's taking place. It's horrible. As deaths add up, protesters hand out their own safe supply of drugs and demand better government policy.
2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. The light at the end of the pandemic tunnel is a little dimmer tonight with word that the current restrictions imposed by the B.C. government are likely to be extended.
0: It's not official yet at this point, but it's pretty much a done deal. Richard Zussman is in Victoria with the latest. Richard, so how much longer are we looking at here?
3: Those restrictions, Chris, are supposed to expire on April 19th, but we now know they will be extended. How long they'll be extended? Well, that's up to whether British Columbians follow the rules. Circuit not broken. With COVID-19 cases on the rise, the province set to extend restrictions.
4: We need to keep um, doubling down on on ensuring physical distancing the
3: provincial government set to formally announce as soon as tomorrow an extension on a ban on social gatherings events indoor dining and adult fitness group activities the question is for how long
4: no decision has been made but i think dr henry indicated uh, in general her direction on the first point
3: that direction was made clear on tuesday in a meeting with bc's hospitality and restaurant sector who expect unless cases suddenly dramatically drop to be closed for indoor dining through the May-long weekend.
4: That May-long weekend, we don't want it to turn into spring break. And so are we are we in the game enough with enough vaccinations t- to protect ourselves?
3: And here's why. On March 22nd, a week before the latest restrictions came in, average seven-day case counts were at 609 per day. Then at 826 March 29th, restriction day, and now have soared to 1,126 new cases per day. A large part of these are variants. And this family doctor says a lack of enforcing quarantine rules from the federal government is driving spread.
4: We as healthcare workers are
3: doing our utmost to try to put out that forest fire. And then we are allowing other folks to walk in and light cigarettes and throw them back on the fire again. It's not just new cases. Hospitalizations have soared to new highs, from 303 people on March 22nd to 397 now. And on March 22nd, 80 people in the ICU. That's gone up to 120.
5: I'd like to urge everyone to please follow public health measures. Experts
3: say BC has some options at its disposal for next steps, ranging from closing more things to shifting more vaccine to
6: hotspots. Vaccination in the hotspots is really important and potentially it's a really effective way to vaccinate efficiently and quickly.
0: All right, Richard, human behavior. Yes, that's a big part of this, but so are vaccines. And we hear tonight there's some good news on the vaccination front for more teachers.
3: There is, so Carolyn Colane mentioned there, moving vaccine to hotspots. Well, that's exactly what Vancouver Coastal Health is doing. So starting this weekend, school staff in the entire health authority, so that includes the Vancouver School District, will start being contacted about booking their vaccine. It's for first shots only, but Coastal Health is now targeting all school staff within that health authority. Also, we'll get modeling information tomorrow from Dr. Bonnie Henry. There's been a lot of rumors out there that BC is going into a full lockdown. That is not the case. But we are going to have to watch and see what sort of policies get put in place tomorrow, whether we see this formal extension of the restrictions.
0: It will be a briefing not to miss, and we know you'll be covering it too. Thanks very much, Richard.
1: Well, with the ban on indoor dining extended possibly through the May-long weekend, many restaurants around B.C. are scrambling to find ways to make up for lost revenue. And while local governments are doing what they can to help, restaurateurs say the real help needs to come from the province. Katherine Urquhart explains.
5: At West Vancouver's Red Lion and at restaurants around the province, it was news they'd been dreading.
0: We have sacrificed so much that uh, probably another three weeks is not going to make that huge difference. But it certainly has been tough for us.
5: An extension of the provincial health order banning indoor dining, possibly through the May long weekend, has left some restaurant owners scrambling to expand outdoor patios. Safely, is going to be between 8 and 10.
7: Um, yeah,
5: I could go a little bit more if
7: I add more dividers, but I want in this summer to have like a little more space between table and less uh, plastic around.
5: A massive deck is being built in front of the beach house. It will accommodate 66 diners. This as cities and districts make unprecedented allowances. We don't charge any fees for this. It's a temporary program to help people get through COVID. Um, we waive any parking restrictions or other bylaw enforcement. Some restaurant owners say they need clarity as to what's allowed.
8: Is a patio two seats in a field or is it an enclosed structure? And we are working with Dr. Uh, Emerson and Dr. Henry around that to see if we can get some,
0: again, some simple rules.
5: In the weeks ahead, many businesses will struggle. But you're going to survive the pandemic?
0: I hope so. I think we will.
5: The hope now is that the good weather continues. And the indoor dining ban won't be extended yet again. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: Let's turn to the latest COVID-19 numbers now. And after yesterday's encouraging dip, another spike today. We recorded 1,168 new cases, bringing BC's total to 114,870 with 9,821 active cases. 397 people are in hospital That's a new record high, with 120 of them in the ICU. There are 16,304 people in self-isolation, and sadly, COVID has claimed six more lives. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now. Keith, we see the uptick in the hospital numbers today, and you've Mm -hmm. got to look at some of the recent data that shows who's being admitted and the impact it could have on surgeries down the road.
9: Yeah, the numbers are very concerning. As you mentioned, that's a record number of people in the hospital—397. But that doesn't tell the whole story. If you go to the Center for Disease Control website and take a look at the week-to-week differences and the changes, you can see uh, a pattern is being established. Take a look at the week—the two reporting periods: one ending March 27th, the other ending uh, April 3rd. to uh, 198 hospitalizations in one week. Now, of the people aged 20 to 39, very interesting: 27 of those numbers were in hospital. Seven of them were in IC used, and two more people in their 30s have died. 14 people in their 30s have now died of COVID-19. Again, that data available on the BC Centre for Disease Control website. Uh, I've talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix about this today. He points out that back in March 2020, when this all began, we cancelled all the elective surgeries because we didn't know what was coming into hospital in terms of COVID cases. After a full year of this, we health authorities now know how to handle it, so even though the, the hospital situation now is far worse than it was a year ago, we're not going to see that wholesale cancel of surgeries but we are going to see some rescheduling of surgeries in terms of elective ones here's the health minister
4: our plan is in place and you're going to see us um, where required continue to implement that plan this means not what happened uh, last March which is a general which um, uh, is which is a, which is, uh, a general uh, ordered to stop uh, uh, non-urgent scheduled scheduled surgeries, elective surgeries, uh, but uh, a focus plan based on what we've learned, what we put in place in September, and what we update every day.
9: So, so far, roughly about 100 cases have been, 100 surgeries have been rescheduled at uh, Royal Columbia Hospital, Surrey Memorial, Abbotsford General. Uh, Those hospitals will expand to include some rescheduling at Vancouver General and St. Paul's. But again, nowhere near the number of cancellations or rescheduling we saw last year. We really didn't know how to handle COVID. Health authorities now have had a year's experience. They know what to do much in greater terms than last year, which we're not going to see anywhere near the number of surgeries cancelled, even though the hospital numbers continue to go up.
0: Thanks largely to the hard work of doctors, nurses, and mm-hmm. all the staff. Exactly. There Our thoughts always with them. All right. Thanks very much, Keith.
1: Well, thousands of dollars in COVID-19 tickets have been issued in recent days by Surrey RCMP's COVID-19 compliance and enforcement team. Eighteen violation tickets were issued between April 7th and 11th, totaling nearly $17,000. Among them, a wedding last Wednesday in Newton with 22 people in attendance. The host was issued $2,300 in tickets for the non-compliant event. And a restaurant owner in the 9,400 block of 120th Street was caught for the second time providing in-person dining. They were handed some hefty penalties and flagged to Fraser Health. It's unclear how many of the tickets have been paid or ever will be paid Last month, we learned only 11% of pandemic violations have actually been paid. COVID-19
10: compliance and enforcement team in Surrey will be doing extra patrols of our beaches and parks this weekend and reminding people of the public health orders. But it is great weather. It's a great opportunity to recharge those batteries after what has been for all of us a long haul. We're just really trying to enforce on people the idea that let's have fun, let's enjoy this great weather, but please keep those public health orders in mind
0: bc is marking a grim anniversary five years ago the overdose crisis was declared a public health emergency since then more than seven thousand people have died of toxic drug poisoning despite a string of programs and initiatives the dying continues to accelerate Amatagahi takes a look at the deadly toll and what's being done to combat the crisis now
11: we miss them desperately um... Our family will never be the same. Kathleen
7: Radu's son Morgan was 26 last spring, doing well in recovery from drug use, she says, before the pandemic forced him into isolation and an eventual deadly relapse.
12: I'm just calling on all levels of government to step up and do the right thing. No family should have to go through what we've gone through in the last 10 months.
13: Keeping people who use drugs alive and free is our job and we will succeed. For five years, it has been
7: called a public health emergency, yet more than 7,000 British Columbians have died. Overdose linked to toxic drugs, also now the fourth leading cause of death in the province.
5: Those dying are not other people. They are our friends, our neighbors, our sons and daughters, our siblings, and our parents.
7: And these aren't faceless people. This isn't a statistic. Frustration fueling organizers at this rally in Vancouver Wednesday to take matters into their own hands.
3: We're distributing free drugs, free and clean drugs, to protect drug users who are at risk of overdose fatality. Is
7: that drug checking where you can get your shit checked? A gesture of what they see as an immediate solution.
4: This is a catastrophic failure of our public policy. We have to respond robustly with uh, efforts to give people an alternative to the
7: toxic drugs. Many times, it is a combination of toxic drugs leading to BC's fatal overdoses, deadly doses of fentanyl, cocaine,
11: and meth. This pandemic has only made things worse, and we know that. We know the actions that we have taken to try and stem the tide of this virus have caused people to be in more precarious situations.
7: Only the solution to this crisis doesn't appear to be as simple as a vaccine. Matagahi, Global News.
1: In Kelowna, the fifth anniversary is being marked by members of a group with very close ties to the opioid crisis.
5: There are so many families impacted by the loss of a loved one to a disease.
1: Helen Jennings of Mum Stop the Harm was one of several group members who gathered to lay crosses at Rotary Beach Park, honoring the lives lost. She is once again calling on Ottawa to get a national strategy in place. Working towards decriminalization
5: is, is really important, but right now we need the safe supply a regulated supply, just like we did with uh, alcohol. We need a regulated, safe supply of drugs or medication for people that are dying from the black market.
1: Jennings also believes the pandemic and stay-at-home restrictions are making it worse. She says 83% of individuals who die from overdose die alone.
11: Go no war!
1: And advocates marched in Cranbrook today calling for a safe supply to end the overdose crisis. Speakers say the push to decriminalize drugs in B.C. is a vital step in saving lives, as well as creating a safe supply and compassion clubs that allow users to do regulated drugs safely.
0: A Kelowna gym is putting up some strong opposition to B.C.'s mask mandate. It's denying entry to anyone who wants to follow Dr. Henry's guidelines or even get vaccinated. What the city says about it next on the News Hour.
1: The Vancouver Canucks prepare to return from COVID protocol. But will they survive the grueling schedule? That's later in sports. And making a
0: house call to treat an infected gray whale. Local marine veterinarians take on the tricky task, how they did it. Later.
1: Right now, though, a Kelowna martial arts gym is under fire for its COVID policies in defiance of public health orders.
0: Global's Jules Knox reports on the controversy and the surprising reason the city can't simply take away the gym's business license.
12: Anti-vax and anti-mask. The website for Kelowna's Flow Academy previously stating that face coverings are banned in the martial arts school and that new memberships would be denied to people who have been vaccinated.
9: That sounds crazy. Yeah, I I don't understand the logic behind it.
12: Just follow the rules and hopefully by soon we'll be over like this whole situation will be over. Interior Health says the gym's rules are in defiance of public health orders that prohibit adult group activities.
9: Well, if they're totally defying public health orders, they should be closed down.
12: This isn't the first time the gym has been in trouble with authorities. RCMP say they were called to help ensure everybody's safety back in late February when Interior Health investigated the business for non noncompliance. That time, the gym was slapped with a ticket and an order. As for the city, it says it can't revoke Flow Academy's business license because it doesn't have one.
0: In the case of Flow Academy, uh, there's no business license to suspend, so uh, we did point out to them that they need to have a business license.
12: The city says that was months ago, and the gym did apply for a business license this March.
0: We, in fact, denied it for two reasons. One, because uh, we didn't uh, believe them to be in compliance currently with public health orders and also uh, they did not receive approval from Interior Health uh, to operate as they are.
12: Flow Academy's website was later locked down and password protected. The business did not respond to multiple requests for an interview. Meanwhile, the city says it has ticketed the business twice for operating without a business license. Interior Health says it's still following up on the recent COVID-related complaints and is consulting with RCMP. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna.
0: Just ahead, parents speak out about an alleged racist tirade targeting their daughter. He called my nine-year-old daughter a terrorist. What they say about the upsetting experience while they were grocery shopping.
1: But first, a high-profile candidate joins a crowded field in the Vancouver Mayor's race. What that means for incumbent Kennedy Stewart, next.
5: Final clearing stages of a stall here in New West, causing big delays southbound on McBride near 6th Avenue in the right Lane. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a stall in New Westminster.
0: The next municipal election is still 18 months away, but there's already a growing list of candidates hoping to unseat Kennedy Stewart and become Vancouver's next mayor.
1: And as Ted Chernecki reports, in a further challenge to the status quo, an entirely new civic political party is also taking shape.
4: First, there was longtime Parks Commissioner John Cooper being asked to be the NPA's candidate for mayor. I took
3: a little time to reflect on it, and uh, then I accepted.
4: Now, former provincial political strategist Mark Marison says he wants to be mayor.
3: I know that many
14: of you, when looking at our city government,
4: are shaking your head. But wait, there's more. A brand new party's been announced, calling itself a better city.
6: We are an inclusive organization and we welcome everyone and we want you all to go to a better dot city in order to sign up and become a member
4: and the guy that almost beat kennedy stewart in the last election says he would like to lead this new
15: party as mayor our city is more divided than ever before and it, it people are tired of identity politics and up until the launch of a better city no one has had a place to go other than you went to the far left or the far right and most of us aren't there. Or we're somewhere in the middle.
4: Well, political
15: pundits have seen this
4: scenario before. Too many like-minded candidates can split their vote. Absolutely. I think Kennedy Stewart and his people are probably dancing a happy dance right now. The fact is, is that with
14: all of the centre-right of the, of the political spectrum being split here in Vancouver, the
4: chances are that that will virtually guarantee his re-election as mayor. And let's not forget, the next civic election is an eternity away. The vast majority of
14: Vancouverites are not going to be engaged on this election and probably until maybe 10 or 15 days before Election Day in October 2022. So I just think that for these candidates, they're setting themselves up for an endurance contest that will probably drain their money, their resources, and uh, test the patience of volunteers. So I wish them
4: all well. Maybe this new political party is counting on you being trapped by the pandemic with nothing better to do than peruse their politics. And to that end, note that their new website really is a better dot city, and not a better city dot something else. Ted Shernaki, Global News.
0: Well, it might feel like spring has just sprung, but B.C. firefighters are already preparing for the summer wildfire season.
13: This changes
0: Over the weekend, firefighters from 11 different departments came together on the North Shore Mountains to work through a number of wildfire and interface fire drills. The goal is to have wildfire fighting crews and urban firefighters working together effectively to prevent a disaster. As a forest fire approaches a community, the expertise that the structural firefighters have in protecting uh, homes and other structures and critical infrastructure is a uh, valuable uh, resource to, to work in conjunction with wildfire. So as wildfire deals with fires uh, outside of a jurisdiction, in as the fire approaches a jurisdiction, uh, that's where the structural firefighters' expertise and training comes into play. At the same time, fire prevention experts are calling on homeowners to do their part to protect their properties and help reduce the interface fire risk.
1: Just ahead, a major pandemic pivot. A production line that once pumped out Snap Food redesigned for protective gear.
0: But first, a family recovering from a racist attack on their young daughter. The aftermath caught on camera.
2: Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers, worth investing in.
5: Counterflow is out, and traffic is in good shape both ways over here at the Massey Tunnel. Do keep in mind, though, overnight maintenance causes lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. This happens every single night. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert care for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermak, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
1: The parents of a nine-year-old girl who was the victim of an alleged racist attack in Surrey are speaking out tonight about the impact on her and their family. They say a man wearing a hat supporting Donald Trump called their daughter a terrorist. Nadia Stewart reports.
13: It happened at the superstore in Newton on Sunday. The family says they were out doing some grocery shopping in preparation for Ramadan when a man walked past their nine-year-old daughter allegedly using derogatory language and referring to the child as a terrorist. The young girl's father confronted the man inside the store. As you can see in the cell phone video, the young girl's name is Aaliyah. And her parents say they were not about to let this go away quietly.
7: My mom
16: said it's okay. And my dad said it will be okay and he'll get
5: confronted.
0: Before you hear it, and you just, it's like passive. You hear it all the time. But when it happens to you, then you realize like this is real. And, and people do think that way towards you and your
11: culture. And... And it's, it's not right. It's, you know, if you're wearing a scarf, it's your choice. No man should tell you what to wear, what not to wear, what to believe, what not to believe.
13: Surrey RCMP say the man is known to them and they are investigating. Melissa Wyatt says people have reached out to her on social media to say this same man has made similar derogatory and discriminatory comments to other children as well. This is, she says, part of the reason why she and her husband did not want to remain silent. Police are gathering evidence and speaking with witnesses. The investigation is ongoing. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
0: Surrey RCMP are investigating a vicious dog attack that happened last night in Surrey. RCMP say a man was walking his small dog when they were attacked by two larger dogs near 152nd and 68th Avenue. He tried to save his pet and suffered injuries to his hands. The little dog named Angel suffered significant injuries and was rushed to the vet. The owner of the two dogs has been identified and animal control has been notified. RCMP say the investigation is ongoing.
10: The two dogs that were involved in this attack were not attended by their owner. They somehow were loose running around in the area. So we're fortunate that no other uh, people were injured as a result of this. But we have informed animal control and we're continuing our investigation as well.
1: A company that began as a small Vancouver bakery back in the 1980s has suddenly become a leader in the fight against COVID-19. When the pandemic began, Inno Foods made a pivot from producing organic snack foods and started up a new company that became the first in Canada to be authorized to produce N95 surgical masks. Aaron MacArthur shows us how they did it.
8: By the boxful. Masks roll off the production line at Inno Life Care. The Port Coquitlam manufacturer, the first to receive Health Canada approval for the distribution of its made-in-Canada N95 respirators. This is a huge win for our company and for Canada. The mask production facility came to life shortly after the pandemic began. This company, with humble beginnings, is now shipping products all around the world. CEO Jay Park was looking to source masks for his employees making snack foods. With nothing available domestically, he turned to Chinese suppliers and was sent inappropriate products. The company now has multiple production lines for different styles of masks, each line able to churn out about 30,000 units a day. In every case, engineering the machinery they needed in-house. We're opening this technology to other companies very, very inexpensively. They could uh, license our technology and implement it into their PPE manufacturing and sell to Canadians uh, and beyond.
12: Proliferation of counterfeit PPE is prompting 3M to take serious action.
8: Fraudulent masks have been a major issue worldwide during the pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of fake N95 masks have been seized entering Canada. Park says each batch of his masks ship with a QR code. Customers can verify the authenticity through blockchain stamps. It makes everything transparent. It it builds a trustless system where you can believe in the tech versus believing in somebody that might do
9: their job or, or, or not.
8: Millions of N95 masks expected to ship from the factory park betting the new division will be a revenue generator but more importantly the foundation of a renewed domestic manufacturing capacity that canada has never had before aaron MacArthur, global news
0: still ahead a gray whale in trouble what bc marine veterinarians spotted from the air and the tricky mission to treat it
1: also tonight, the fight over Ferry Creek gets complicated with a rift in First Nations over whether it should be logged or left alone.
2: Here's the Wines of BC question of the day. Which of BC's geographical indications or wine regions have the most growing degree days? A. Okanagan Valley B. Fraser Valley C. Lillooet. D. Similkameen Valley We'll be right back with the answer. The answer to today's Wines of BC question is C. Lillooet, which has 1,603 growing degree days.
1: Eight people have been arrested in connection with an anti-pipeline protest that's left a big mess in downtown Vancouver. The protesters targeted the offices of two companies that provide insurance to the Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion Project. Vancouver police say those arrested range in age from 22 to 38 and they are now facing charges of mischief and obstruction.
0: A group trying to prevent the logging of an old-growth forest on Vancouver Island is now facing its own roadblock, the local First Nation. Band leaders are asking the
1: conservationists to leave. But as Kylie Stanton reports, even the First Nation is divided on which path to take.
6: For eight months, they've been here, protecting what activists say are some of the last old-growth stands of cedar on southern Vancouver Island. That's the only way it's going to be saved, is people standing up for their rights. This is how it's done. So far, the two blockades set up in Berry Creek on roads leading to the Teal Jones Group Cut Blocks have prevented the logging of about 200 hectares along the ridgeline above the watershed. It's not worth it. I think it's worth more alive. Protesters say their numbers have reached into the hundreds, but now the Pechidat First Nation is also taking a stand. In a press release, it says, Pechidat has always harvested and managed our forestry resources, including old-growth cedar, for cultural, ceremonial, domestic, and economic purposes. Our constitutional right to make decisions about forestry in our territory as a governing authority in our territory must be respected. I think that's an appropriate request by the people who have rights Title. While the and premier is on good good. their side, the at First Nation declined an interview, citing inflammable circumstances, broad attention, and conflicting agendas. That's now come to light with this letter written by Elder Bill Jones, saying, "I implore people to stand with me to protect our forests from destruction and colonialism, because we need allies on the ground to stop old-growth logging in my home territory and for my future generations and relatives." The response is is across the board coming from inspiration of young people, the inspiration of collective efforts to not only target corporations, but also target uh, those that are responsible for continuing the legacy of colonialism in in, in our unceded territories. Teal Jones was granted a Supreme Court injunction earlier this month, but it has yet to be enforced. The activists say they have no plans to move on.
0: Yeah, we can get arrest that for that, sure.
6: Kylie Stanton, Global News.
0: Well, a cool walk in the forest might have felt really good on a day like today.
6: Yeah, beautiful out, Christy.
10: Mm. I would have even taken a warm walk in the sunshine. Uh, the heat didn't bother me at all. I hope it didn't bother you either because it's going to get even hotter in the coming days. Here's a quick look at the daytime highs for today. Now, near the water in our region, we always see a, a range. seven. Oh, sorry, It's showing 15 there, but I think we hit 17 degrees at the airport, so I'm not sure why that is the case. But away from the water, 23 degrees, Squamish 25. Uh, some parts of Squamish show up to 26, which was the hot spot across Canada, actually and I'm having a hard time clicking but let's see if that works there you go and into the lower 20s and through the interior regions as well little wet hit 24 degrees and we don't have long-standing records that I've been able to access so I'll be able to update you on that tomorrow but when we look back at the last 30 40 years we did certainly break a record uh, right across the province here are some of the the ones that stood out to me with Tw- uh, squamish hitting that 26 that i mentioned agassiz 23 pow river 18 and nelson at 20.6 degrees but there are about 18 that broke that 40 year uh record mark there's an orca uh, jumping thank you to mariah for that one this is just in the english uh, bay area this is chilliwack um yeah making hay and peter Vogel sending that one looking out towards mount baker so as i mentioned tomorrow will be a touch warmer near the water likely about 17 degrees but the interior regions will certainly see a change tomorrow as many areas start to move into that lower 20 degree mark, and some areas away from the water here on the south coast could be up to the 25 degree mark. Uh, so that's out through the Fraser Valley in particular, but for Metro Vancouver, it'll likely m- make its way to that 25 degree mark on Saturday, with the two warmest day likely Friday and Saturday, and then it will be a touch cooler on a Sunday. So far, it looks like this ridge is going to break down on Tuesday. Everyone, stay tuned for that. We could still update. Update that and make it a little bit longer. Tonight's central window's weather window from Norm Parks. This is looking out over English Bay from Spanish Banks. And this is very cool sculpture in the foreground there. Thank you to Norm for that one.
0: Sat in that sofa a number of times on a walk past there. Very cool, Norm. Thank you. And thanks, Christy.
1: Nice. Well, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about the Canucks, almost the entire team being in self-isolation, but we got a game this Friday, Squire. Well...
16: So far, we have a game. You're right. Um, actually, there's only seven Canucks now on the COVID list, but one Canuck who wasn't on the COVID list, but is still unhappy about the way things are going to go from here on out, is JT Miller.
14: But I'm going to try to come back and play, like I just talked to, it's going to be very challenging and, and not very safe, if you're asking me.
16: Well, we did ask JT, and he did not hold back. He thinks the NHL is asking too much
0: of the Canucks. All right, more on that later. Also a house call on the high seas, how BC marine veterinarians pulled off the dramatic treatment of an infected whale and what likely caused it. watching Global News Hour at 6. Playing in the NHL is tough at the best of times. I couldn't imagine coming off of COVID and trying to do it. Well, the Canucks started this year, I think by playing
16: 18 games in the first month. That's why they had more games than everybody else. But then they were healthy. There was no COVID issues, at least not a big outbreak. So the Canucks COVID list today went down to seven players, which means they'll likely be able to have a practice tomorrow and I guess play on Friday against Edmonton. But when asked about that scenario, Canucks winger JT Miller was keeping it real. He said, Vancouver having to play 19 games basically in a month starting this Friday after virtually the entire team had COVID is a really bad idea.
14: It's kind of crazy. Um, I know that everybody's got a job to do, but to expect Uh, pretty much our entire team to be ready to play. And one practice in a pregame skate is a little bit hard to comprehend. Um, From the guys that are going to play, this is going to be a really tough challenge. And, uh, you know, even for me, you know, skating a couple of times and, you know, my lungs are screaming and definitely not in game shape at all right now from sitting around and, not uh, doing much, and I couldn't imagine what these guys are going to have to go through to get back and be ready to play at a high level.
9: It's been two full weeks since the Canucks last skated together as a team, even longer since they went toe to toe against an opponent other than COVID. Come Friday when they face the Edmonton Oilers, it'll be 23 days between games. Forget about the Canucks winning hockey games the rest of the way. From here on out, it's going to be about surviving the NHL schedule.
14: It's kind of frustrating, if I'm being honest with you and we, we you know we try to talk about the number one priority is the players health and their family safety and and this is it's almost impossible to achieve that with what they've asked us to do here on our return so like I said I can't speak on behalf of the guys that have had COVID but I talked to my teammates a lot and this hasn't been obviously that easy there's different different for everybody and you know for them to try to come back and play like I just talked to is going to be very challenging and And not very safe, if you're asking me. And I'm sure that there's other people that would agree with that. So,
9: as an organization or as a coach, you just don't drop scenarios where your team plays five games in seven nights to restart the campaign. Same for 19 games in 31 days to finish off the regular season.
14: We have to be prepared to play. But at the same time, I mean, I think that whoever, you know, the schedule was made, I understand the guys coming off of three weeks of rest, two weeks of having COVID at one practice isn't even close to near enough time to come back and perform at a high level. So, and on that and not, it's not even about being able to perform. It's nothing to do with hockey at this point. Um, brutally, honestly, I think that, you know, we we're going to need more time than this to come back and play hockey. Even the guys that didn't get it, we're not ready to play. So, um, it's a decision that was made. And as of now, we're going to be, I guess, ready to play, but I, 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 without going too far, too much farther into it. I I mean, that's all I can really say at this point is, it seems like a very high hurdle to try to jump over for to try to jam 19 NHL games and against good hockey teams in the month so i'm just more worried about our team's safety and of our players and their families and that's our number my number one priority and thought that goes through my head on a day-to-day basis
16: yeah the covid-19 game schedule to finish the season is not very fair for the Canucks uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps start their regular season this Sunday against Portland now that game will be played in the Whitecaps' home away from home, which is Utah. And it won't be a full Vancouver roster. Some of the players they brought in during the winter, as well as Ali Adnan, are either going through visa requirements or quarantining. But when everybody is available to Mark DeSantos, he thinks this is the best Whitecaps roster he has had since he became coach in 2018.
2: This is the best team we've had since I'm here. The best roster we've had since I'm here. But please, it's not because I say this that you think we're done. We're not done. Every day, myself and Axel talk about, okay, we got Deber. What's next? We got Bruno in. What's next? We got Caio in. What's next? We're able to even assess where do we think we're going to need to become better in six months from now, in 12 months from now. And we're already anticipating that and working on that.
16: A minor league ballpark, major league game. Dunedin where Toronto is uh, spending their home games right now and this is the Yankees and the Jays and that's Bo
13: Bichette out of the yard. Aaron
16: Judge sentences this bad pitch to a lifetime over the wall. That made it 3-2, to also a solo shot. They were tied 4-4 in the ninth. Bo Bichette's the hero. And all the cardboard fans go crazy. That is a walk-off. Jays win it by the score of 5-4. Well, the UFC says it'll be a full house in Las Vegas for UFC 264 on July 10th. 20,000 fans will be allowed in the T-Mobile arena for a card headlined by Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Tickets will go on sale this week. Nevada apparently will end social distancing restrictions on May 1st, go to 100% full capacity at all establishments on June 1st. Although they will still have a mask mandate in effect, just like the old days of 2019. <laughs> oh, that sort of feels
1: so like. retro. <laughs> All right, thanks, Squire. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11 and some breaking news for us, Jordan.
8: Indeed, Sophie, we have a camera heading to the scene of a serious crash on the Cedar Sky Highway just north of Squamish. The highway is now closed in both directions, and RCMP say it will be for several more hours. This is a look at the southbound traffic backup between Squamish and Whistler. The collision happened just before 5 near the Conroy Forest Service Road. Early information from BC Ambulance suggests... Three people have been taken to hospital in critical condition, a fourth in stable condition. Plus, we'll have more on today's record COVID-19 hospitalizations. As you heard earlier, nearly 400 British Columbians now in hospital, 120 of them
1: in the ICU. Sophie. Concerning numbers for sure. All right. Thanks, Jordan.
0: Well, it's been a challenge to get all of us our COVID shots. Where do you see the challenge to give a gray whale a shot? That's coming up a little later. A couple of whale stories coming up here. Marine researchers and conservationists have released some troubling pictures as a reminder to boaters to be more aware.
1: A warning though, some of the images in this story might be disturbing. The pictures show an injured humpback whale last seen swimming near Point Grey. The whale has a deep gash behind its dorsal fin, which is believed to be a strike wound from a vessel. Boaters are reminded they are required by law to slow down to less than seven knots when within a thousand meters of a whale and to give it a minimum of a hundred meters of space. Oceanwise says the humpback population has made an impressive comeback over the years, but it is still listed as a species of special concern.
0: All right, I hope that one heals up. And now the Vancouver Aquarium's head veterinarian has made an unusual house call off the west coast of Vancouver Island.
1: A gray well needed treatment for an infection. Linda Aylesworth shows us how local experts helped and the likely source of the infection. <laughs>
11: Most grey whales along the Pacific coast migrate 16,000 kilometers every year, south to Mexico in the winter and north to the Bering Sea in the summer. But not all.
8: There's about 250 of them. They spend time off Washington State and coast of British Columbia and they don't migrate further north.
11: In an effort to learn more about the Pacific Coastal Feeding Aggregation as they're known, satellite tags are sometimes used.
15: What we get out of those tags is essentially where they go, what habitats they use, diving behavior, energetics, who they interact with, um, seasonality, migration patterns.
11: In the U.S., unlike British Columbia, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, uses barb tags like this. Recently, one such tag caused a problem for a grey whale known as chocolate.
15: This one's causing a lot of inflammation. And then uh, on the sort of contralateral side to the tag, so on the other side of the whale, there's also an, an area of inflammation.
11: Because chocolate had moved into B.C. waters, Noah asked aquarium veterinarian Martin Holina and the Department of Fisheries and Oceans to help.
15: So we acted really
8: fast. We found out March 25th and we were on water on March 27th.
15: We went out to Euclid and um, and were able to deliver four darts full of, of antibiotics.
11: Then to get a better idea of the animal's health, they collected breath samples with a drone carrying a petri dish.
8: It blows into the petri dish. The drone uh, is right on top of the animal and then
15: it comes back to the boat. In that are bacteria, fungus, viruses that could be normal and it could be stuff that's um, pathogenic.
11: While not all the test results are in, chocolate seems to be behaving normally. With any luck, help arrived in time.
15: This was a remarkable effort, you know, super cross-border team effort, and to be involved in it was, was pretty neat. And, you know, everyone just wants the best for this particular whale, and that's, that's really awesome. Linda
11: Aylesworth, Global News.
1: We did ask the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the U.S. about whether they plan to reassess their use of barbed tags, but we haven't heard back from them at this point.
0: All right, before we sign off, one quick word about weather, and that's sunshine, Christy.
10: Yes, so it looks like five days right through till Tuesday. We'll be enjoying this weather nice and warm, especially Friday and Saturday.
0: All right. Thank you. And thanks for watching, everyone.
10: Good night,
13: all.